Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To find out who was the best Chris? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Anthony. I am Brad. Yeah, that yeah, he's he's Brad. Um, and today we have a twofer. We got we're gonna do this episode, this this Christmas episode, the same way we did the last one. Usually, new releases come out around this time. So this time around, we got um, uh, Lana Wachowski's uh, The Matrix uh, Resurrections versus Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. Uh, Matrix came to theaters and HBO Max. Don't Look Up came to Netflix and to select theaters. Um, Brad, how you doing, man? How was your Christmas? I'm doing good. It was a pretty nice Christmas. Uh, spending time with family. Uh, you know, it's it's always relaxing this time of year, especially with time off work and everything like that. Yeah, it, yeah. I feel like uh, this one was successful, man. I um. I got myself a few things that uh, I was very satisfied with. I got myself a Bluetooth turntable, which is great because I love vinyl and Bluetooth and vinyl. I know it can, some people may say it's kind of defeating the purpose since vinyl is lossless audio and you can't do lossless over Bluetooth, but I think it's cool. Right. As long as you enjoy it, that's what matters. That is what matters. As long as you enjoy it. Um, got myself some earphones, too. I'm getting really into like earphones and music, man. I've noticed that lately. You're getting ready into uh, what is it, the audiophile kind of category of stuff. I don't know if I'll ever become an audiophile, but I think if I really, I think if I really tuned my ears to learning how to be one, I could. Because it, it's really just about. I don't know what it means to be an audiophile. I think I think you just learn. You, you, you you have a you have an audio engineer's ears kind of you know what I mean yeah yeah I'd you, never want to reach that point where I can't listen to music on like the radio or something like that because I'm just like ah oh, the bit rates off you know I hear people complain about uh, the difference between like the 320 and 256 and they're like oh my god this is barely you know listenable <laughs> and I'm going on something like 192 and going this is this is good I like this. <laughs> Well, th- th- think of it from like our standpoint. So, like a cinema purist standpoint. So, you love 4K. Oh yeah. Um, I don't have a 4K TV. I got 1080p, but what, that's good for me as long as I don't go down to like 720 or 480p. Whereas mm. anyone else is like, yeah, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, so it's basically the same thing, man. But um, you know, I know we. 
I, I um we don't usually do chronological uh you know matters on here, but uh to be fair, uh didn't uh, Matrix Oh no, Don't Look Up came out first. Don't really. Look Up came out first because that released in theaters, I want to say on like the 17th or something. Uh the 10th. And, oh, was uh, that far? Wow. It, it was the 5th in New York City and it was the 10th um, you know, uh, nationwide. I thought it had just debuted on uh, Netflix and that uh uh Matrix came first on the on the 22nd. But uh dang, Don't Look Up was way before, huh? Yeah. I knew it came out in theaters for a limited time before it hit Netflix because that confused me when people were talking about it. And I was like, but it's not on Netflix yet. How did you guys watch it? And I saw like it's in theaters, but it was only in like select theaters. Like it played in the Maple Theater out here in Michigan. Uh, I didn't see it in like AMC or anything like that, though. That's interesting. Yeah. If if we were still in movie pass days, I would see it at the Maple, but not I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get a usual regular ticket to the maple theater yeah it's a nice theater but it's just it's it's, for me it's out of my way (laughs) it is a little pricey too yeah 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 i I can't do it um all right so you you want to go chronological this time yeah let's uh let's do it in order with uh don't look up first okay all right so don't look up is uh adam mckay's latest film uh, it's a it's a satire and it's a, um it's a science fiction uh, com- comedic well satire makes it comedy already but it's a it's a satire about two astronomers um, one astronomer uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character uh, Kate Dabowski uh, she um, discovers that there is a comet that uh, is um, coming towards Earth and in six months um, it, it it will arrive at Earth in six months and it could uh it could cause human extinction. So basically it could be Armageddon. Um, Dr. Randall Mindy is uh, her professor. They're at, they're at Michigan State University, which, you know, my alma mater, which leads to a, a few funny gags throughout the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so he, 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 um, she, he, he discovers this with her, and they, um, they're basically on this mission to kind of get people to convince people uh, go on a media tour and convince people, starting with the White House, that, look, this comet thing is not it's not some climate change deal. This is really going to happen. If we don't do anything about it, um, the world could end. Wink, wink. You know, like, um, so I got to say, man, like, there's a I'm very torn on how I feel about this movie. Like, there's a lot of great things to it, but there's a very lot of preaching and on the nose to it as well. Like, the first act of it, where they're they're really in awe of how much they they have how how far they have to go to get this to the top level to say listen this this is serious. Um, they start off with a call with someone that's the head of NASA, right? Yeah, it's with the uh, it's not with the head of NASA. It's with the head of like uh, defense of NASA. Okay, they uh, they start off with her, and then they get on the phone call with um, the head of planetary defense coordination office. Yeah, uh, <laughs> man, when I, this this is what I love about Adam McKay. I love his um, on screen text uh, cues, where he's like, he says like, "Yo, this is the actual department, by the way. Here's their I, logo. here's their logo." <laughs> so they go on a joint call with her and and him, uh, Teddy Oglethorpe, which uh, becomes like a a, a bit. A strong key player throughout the rest of the film and he goes man we got to let the higher-ups know about this 
So um, they get on with the White House. And uh, meanwhile, Randall and Kate are like freaking out like this can't be happening. This can't be happening. So they they fly him out to the White House, um, which they uh, meet the president played by Meryl Streep, which I, I got a lot to say about a lot of acting in this movie. But um, just with her, I'd say I love seeing Meryl get out of character and play someone that's just so unlike she's basically playing against type in this movie because her oh, character 100%, is like yeah her character is like so dis- delusional and like like arrogant and just it, it it um incompetent to be president kind of reminds you of somebody uh yeah, it's a very clear satire of a uh, certain uh political party definitely um so and and I gotta say, someone who steals the show uh, comedy wise in this film, dog, is Jonah Hill, man. Oh, Jonah Hill, as he steals the show. <laughs> he was so good in this. He was, man. Like his, I and you could tell he's improving. Like his on point, like um, comebacks to Jennifer Lawrence's character, like are just so amazing. Yeah. Um, so basically, oh, they, he even makes one of the comments about like Michigan, like Michigan State. Can we get one from like an actual, you know, place that people know of? <laughs> or can right, we get no. an opinion from an actual university? Come on, from Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I got to admit, man, as a Spartan, the jokes got a little they got a little hard on me at first. <laughs> um, they, they dug in deep a little bit on those and I loved them. I thought they were hilarious. They were like I, I like when he's talking with Teddy and he's like, you know, they're from MSU. He's like, say like Michigan State. He says, yeah, they got a great astronomy program. It's like, come on, bro. <laughs> like, come on, bro. <laughs> Michigan State, you bringing them to the White House? <laughs> um, but um, he, they basically bring it to them, and they're shrugging it off. Like, listen, man, we deal with climate change stuff like this all the time. You know, like, is, is this is this really a big deal? And they're trying to tell them, yes, it is. It's a big deal. So they basically brush them off. They say, we'll take care of it. And they kind of like kick them out of the White House and decide not to do anything about it. Um, so they end up going to the New York. Well, which is a satire of the New York, New York Times. What is it? The New York Atlantic or something? Something like that. I can't remember the exact names of the companies that they were. But they basically we had the uh new york times kind of thing then we had like the daily beast kind of place uh which is where her boyfriend worked kind of like the uh kathy lee and regis kind of kind of yeah then there was like the regis and kelly kind of talk show place uh you could tell what they were satiring i can't remember what the names of the in movie versions were though right so basically long story short for for the I want to say for the for the first act of this for the first act of this film, they're trying to convince people that this is actually happening. It's it happening. It's kind of like the man bear pig um, metaphor from South Park. Yeah, which uh, was it's the comet or the meteor is an analogy for uh, climate change. Climate change. Of so it, the whole thing is kind of like going, oh, it is real. And there's even parts in the movie where it becomes this whole thing of, is it even a thing? Is it really real? You know, how do we know? And it's kind of ties into COVID too, right? Where, uh, amazingly know. enough, you could probably make a good argument that the comet or the meteorite was also an analogy for COVID. If this wasn't written in 2018, you could mm. totally make that comparison. Which is a little terrifying when you really take that into consideration. Um, 
this movie, like like I said, there are there are great things I like about this movie with um with um Adam McKay's ambitions, but I felt like we'll get into that later. Let me just get back to the plot because I got a lot to say about this. Um, anyway, so after the first act, people, the White House kind of brings them back in and say, "Well, you brought the media into this, so we're we're looking into this now. We're gonna help you." So um, they start coming up with campaigns, which one after another just fail miserably um, uh, to try to like detour the comet off course. And um, it, it, then it comes to the point where uh, we got my man, Mark Rylance, who comes in, who, dude, I think this man has been in a lot of movies, but I think strangely, this might be one of his best roles, dude. He really? Plays, he plays a tech sociopath so well. He does it so well to me. Like he was a mix of uh, Elon Musk with uh, who's my man that runs Apple now? Uh, Steve King, Tim King. Uh, well, it was Steve Jobs before. Now it's not Steve uh, Jobs, not him. Uh, Tim Cook. Tim, Tim Cook. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Tim Cook is a sociopath, but I just like how he has a Tim Cook build, but a Elon Musk kind of demeanor. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Like I, I really think this is one of his best roles, man, because he sold me on the whole strange tech billionaire role. See, I think it was great. I wouldn't. Mm, he sold it, it, it was to a me. great performance. I will say that. I don't know if it's in his like his absolute best performance of all time, though. May, well, because I see, I got the same. I don't think it's his best, but I think it's one of his best. Okay, I can um, agree with that. It's definitely like top five at the very least. Yeah, because he sold me. But okay, we'll, we'll get back to performances. So anyway, he comes up with an idea that says, "Hey, this comet that's coming to Earth has a lot of minerals and elements to it that you know basically could uh it could be worth millions and billions. So basically, more money. So they so then in their infinite wisdom." They decide, why don't we just send little drones to the comet to blow it up so it, it scatters out when it comes down on Earth and just not destroy the entire Earth. And we can use the pieces that crash for, um, you know, elements that can get us more money. Yeah. So, um, well, it, by this point, you kind of know where this movie's going. Um, and, you know, with, with the relationship between Randall and Kate, they both kind of like... Uh, they both kind of go their separate ways. Kate gets kind of exiled. Randall kind of goes to the dark side and, you know, chooses to stay with the White House to see if he can make a difference. He has an affair with his wife, with Kate Blanchett. Um, I wasn't really sold on her character. She was a little too over the top. But um, who was one of the uh, reporters? Well, one of the mo- morning news hosts that first talked to them. Um, her name is uh, Bree Aventy, the mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett's character. Um and yeah, man, it just it just barrels itself to a point where um, all the characters in this movie kind of just dig themselves in a hole where they just when it's too late, they just can't get themselves out of. Um, but uh, uh, I, I want to take a pause here. So, like, I want to know what what's your assessment of this movie? So this one is very much like a political satire and in typical Adam McKay fashion, um, it is a little preachy at times. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that makes it funnier is because it, it's 
relatable. Like, yeah, it's not full on like how these people really were in, you know, uh, real life and everything, but they took like the worst parts of them and created an entire character based off just that. And it made for a group of people that you love to hate, so to speak. Like, we know how Tim Cook and, like, Elon Musk are. But if you took them and just put them at their purest evil intentions and everything like that of, you know, what they're trying to do, Mm -hmm. they could come off as that kind of uh, tech billionaire, you know, that uh, is willing to put the, you know, lives of everyone on the planet on the line for a little bit of advancement and, you know... Uh, you know, humans and a little bit more money in their pockets uh, mm-hmm. while also kind of being like, look, this will end, you know, hunger across the world with this. We can use this to do all this stuff. You right. know, it, it almost sounds like something that Elon Musk would tweet out. And I'm pretty sure if you went through his tweets, you could find something that this would relate to almost on the dot, mm-hmm. which it, it makes it even funnier to me. And I I love that. And it's not really going, oh, man, all these people are bad and stuff. It's looking at it and showing us the stupidest possibilities and letting everybody have a good laugh at it. It's the same as idiocracy in my mind. No, 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 no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Idiocracy is a way, way better movie. Don't you dare. (laughs) Um, That's a classic. No, I'm saying in, like, tone and everything like that, with, like, mocking how stupid things can get and, you know, how we got to a certain point everything. Right. I got you. Um, Listen, man, I I hear everything you're saying, um, but I feel like this film needed to be 30 minutes shorter. Uh, The first act drags for too long. Like, it's like the film tells a joke. And you reach his punchline, but the punchline drags out. Like, in the first act, no one believes them about the comet thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, they talk to NASA. They're, they're kind of brushing it off. They go to the White House. They're brushing it off, okay? They go to the New York Times. They're kind of like, we can use this as a plot, as a point to go at the uh, White House and their terrible administration. I'm like, okay, when does the punchline end and people actually start believing them and we can, like... When does the plot propel forward and it's not just a running gag of people not believing it? Well, I think it had to hit like all those notes because that's kind of how it works is, you know, NASA kind of goes, oh, this is a problem. The government goes, eh, we'll have our people look into it. You know, we'll see if there's actually something here. Uh, The New York Times would use this as their advantage to push whatever agenda they're trying to push. They're not caring about what's actually going on. It's like the kids in cages kind of controversy. It's like they they don't really care, but it's something that they can publish to show that, oh, these people are bad kind of thing. So it's kind of just going on all those satirical levels that it could, and it's playing them all out. Uh, I get that, but it felt like it was turning its wheels for too much. Like all that could have been. Listen, I'm not a I'm not a talented filmmaker like Adam McKay yet. I'm not at that point in my career yet. So, but <laughs> I, I I feel like that could have been wrapped up faster. Like by that point, the audience is getting a little bored. Like, okay, so was this this movie is about? Like they just don't believe them. Like how can you stretch this into two hours and a half? 
Oh, I disagree. I, I was cracking up at every little bit of it, especially when it kept getting stupider and stupider in tone and stuff like that. Like they started going on like the Regis and Kelly kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. but how can we make it all cheerful and everything? And it's like, oh, that is that's exactly how it is. They try and make jokes about the end of the world and stuff like that. They try and make it light and funny. And you have the scientist that's kind of going, but we're all going to die, like freaking out on this. And they're just like, yeah, but you know, can you make sure it kills my ex-wife? Cause you know how that goes. And it's like, Oh, that is exactly how it would be. (laughs) See, but I don't buy that though. I feel like that's a little just too, I don't know, man. I feel like this movie I feel like this was kind of dumb in some places, but not the good kind of dumb. I mean, it was like, supposed to be dumb, you know, in that kind of... Listen to me. There's there's dumb comedies where you're along for the ride and you know what's going on. I, admittedly so. I love Biodome. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get stupider than that. You know what I'm saying? But, like, the thing with Biodome is, okay, I know what this is. I feel like don't look up for the majority of it. I'm watching a bunch of A-list celebrities be dumb. Like, I, I like, it. okay, let, let me break this down. So I hear everything you're saying, and maybe you, you enjoyed this film a little more than I did, but um, it's like it came to the point where it was like, it felt like I was watching Adam McKay make a David O. Russell movie. David O. Russell is good at over the top. You know, Silver Linings, Joy, American Hustle is the prime numero uno, uno example. Mm-hmm. But it felt like I wasn't really watching an Adam McKay movie. It felt like I was watching Adam McKay trying to make an over-the-top movie. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like the, I can kind of see that. This this had what I this had the things I didn't like about Vice and turned it up to ten. Like you know the preaching, the uh, the stupidity. You know, like like a lot of it is played to the point where I'm like, wow, this is really the movie, huh? Um, let me just say, like, the, the, the Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi character thing, I understood why it was there. I think the film spent too much time on it. I'm like, okay, I get the gag. You know, celebrity couples are more important than the world ending. And then they kind of kept going with that gag. And I'm like, can we get back to the movie? I, I, I get it. You know, they're, they're not really good actors. Like, can we get back to the movie? Yeah, you know, I, well, I understand Ariana's what you're cool. saying. They're, they're, they're cool actors. I'm sorry. They're good actors, but their roles weren't really that compelling. Yeah, they definitely there were a lot of like weird little B plots that they spent a lot of time on, uh, like Leonardo DiCaprio's character's relationship with his wife and then the one news anchor lady and stuff. Yeah, uh, that, went to, that went nowhere. Like, yeah, that affair was just stupid. Like it made no sense. Um and I think Jennifer Lawrence, who who does great as Kate, I feel like they kind of just throw Kate to the wayside a little bit in the plot. Yeah, they just... do. So this movie is by no means like perfect in any way. Right. Uh, it, it, but it still has so many great laughs for it. And the political satire, I love it. Absolutely. With uh, the different kind of campaigns that they throw and everything like, you know, just look up and you can see that this is real. And then there's the campaign. Don't look up. They're lying to you. They just want you to look stupid by looking up and believing that this is real. Like, I love how they made fun of those kind of campaigns and everything. 
Right. Max versus anti-masker, Vax versus uh, anti-Vax. Right. It, it like, could almost that. go for anything. And the funny thing is, it's right. still, you know, that that's something that's a recent thing. Uh, this was all written back in 2018. This was done for climate change. This was Adam yeah. McKay's, like, uh, climate change kind of political satire movie. And, yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird how it can be used so simply for the COVID pandemic and everything that and everything that's gone on for that. It just shows how, like, this kind of stuff loops so easily. And it's always the same train that it goes through where discovery, okay, get shot down. Uh, you know, newspapers use it for their own political gain. Eventually, people acknowledge it exists. People continue to now say that it doesn't actually exist. Conspiracy start. You know, and you know, benefit concerts. You know, and then uh, yeah. I love, I love um, the second time Leonardo DiCaprio goes on Sesame Street, and uh, they say, uh, "Hey, uh, uh, professor, now you said you changed your views." He says, "Yes, the comet is going to come to Earth, and we will all die." And yeah. the kids are like, he makes me feel sad. He said, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio is... He kills it in this. Uh, he, oh, he, he kills it in everything. I want you to name me a single bad Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Or not movie, performance. Um, name me a bad Leonardo DiCaprio performance. Look, man, he he's good in it, but um, let, let's call it what it is. The Revenant was just kind of like that. Oscar was the apology for uh not getting it for Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, the yeah. Revenant was the Revenant was I. Right. It was a it's a good movie. It's a good looking movie, but it's it's compared to the great top Leo movies, it's I. Yeah, right. yeah it's the right. Revenant is not top Leonardo, but even it's bottom of the age. barrel Leonardo is still better than most actors out there. I mean, yeah, no, 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 no. Leo is never bad. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is he w- he killed it in this movie compared to most roles because this was him playing against type. Oh yeah. Like um, like Meryl Streep's, he's playing against type, which make which makes it great. You know what I mean? Like um, him playing a straight, you know, a straight laced nerdy professor. You know, he's got a dad bod. He 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 deals with anxiety and stuff like that. You know, he he's um. You know, he, he's kind of an anxious guy. Like, Leonardo played that well. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, he stole so many of the scenes. Like, especially in those interviews and everything that he would be doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when they were going, I can't remember where it was. I think it was, like, the New York Times kind of, like, office of sorts where they were going through the presentation of, you know, here's how uh, you did on there. And, you know, here are the memes that people have made about you. And it's a uh, geologist, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. That's, or the that's, hot geologist. That's, that's cool, I guess. But like that, that kind of takes away from the point, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he, he was, he was great, man. He was. I feel like the two best actors in this movie were him and uh, Mark Rylance. I feel like they took their roles and they, they, they killed it. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about so Kate's role. So, I feel like Kate. I don't I don't know how I feel about her character. I feel like Jen should have been given more to work with, but I felt like she did great with what was given. Yeah, Kate well, her like- role was supposed to be like the person that comes off as crazy for believing something like so strongly. Like the person right, that right, gets right. so upset that people don't believe her that she comes off as crazy as a result. Right, right. I get it. Um 
you know, when we follow her, you know, she goes back home. Um, she's working. She's working. She's working at the grocery store. She runs into Timothy Chalmot's character, who you know, they're just a, him and his friends are just a bunch of you know kids just trying to steal alcohol or, or whatever. And um, you know, she uh, she starts a little bit of a relationship with him. I feel like the film, like, I don't know, man. I feel like I the film didn't really know what to do with her character except just have her as the character that believes strongly in everything and that doesn't compromise what she believes. Yeah, That's after cool, but... the scene with like uh, her revealing everything at the bar, I feel like they had mm-hmm. no idea what to do with her the rest of the movie. Which is sad because right. I, I wanted to see J Law do more or be given more there mm-hmm. with that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the the Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi thing, I was like, all right, that was kind of funny, like when it first showed up. But after it spent like more than ten minutes on it with the whole proposing on proposing during the news segment, I was like. Can we get back to the main plot? Like, there's a lot of side. I, I, I'm just repeating myself, but there's a lot of detours the plot takes that I'm not too much of a, a fan of. Um, See, I didn't mind it so much because it was kind of like showing that tension in like the back room because you have two people that are about to announce that the world's ending, and right. they're presenting this segment where two pop stars are like uh, saying that they're gonna get back together and stuff, and it, I, I found it funny. I, you know, I didn't think it overstayed its welcome. I was just laughing as it cut back to them every time. And they're just sitting in the room, just staring at the screen and just going, we're about to announce that the world's ending. And these two are pre-proposing to each other. And I, I loved it. Just the sense of like cutting back and forth. I, I didn't think it was too over the top or I thought it was over the top. And that's what made it hilarious to me. I don't think it overstayed its welcome. I, I gotta say, Ron Perlman, <laughs> his, oh. his military role had me rolling, man. I mean, he has some of the best lines too. Oh, even at the end when he was like shooting at the me, you're not right. gonna kill me. <laughs> right? Yeah, he is the perfect Sheriff Clark. He 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 is the he is Sheriff Clark, man. Um, if you don't know who that is, folks, if you know, look it up. If you know, you know. But um, yeah, I. Um, his whole little like monologue that he was saying when he was in the spaceship going to space. Oh and yeah, he forgot he was still being recorded. Uh, he, like he was saying something about Indians or something like something racist. But uh, yeah, I love the uh, Indians, both the native and the elephant ones, and uh, <laughs> just horrible. Um, I you know you guys should have teamed up at some point. That would have been pretty cool, you know. Right, right. Um. I gotta say though, Jonah Hill, man, I feel like I, def- I feel like he's the funniest one in this movie. He may not be the best, like he may not have given the best performance, but he was the funniest one to me. I feel like he had the best lines. He even had. So, did you actually watch the end credit scene for this yeah, one? Yeah, I watched them all. I stayed through. Okay, so you saw the one where he comes out of the rubble after everything, right. and he's his still first thing is going onto like Twitter or whatever the social media is there, and being like, "Hey, everybody, uh, end of the world's out." So, uh, you know, I'm out here. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that. That's still where his headspace was at. Like, social media was more important than the fact that he survived the apocalypse. Last man on earth here. You know what I'm saying? Don't forget to like, share, to subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind, dude, if he pulls it off. I now, if Adam McKay makes a sequel where it's him and the remaining survivors on Earth, 
I would check that out. Like I, I, I would definitely check that out as well. You know, uh, but that's also at the same time I'd see Adam McKay's name on it. Like I know there's another one coming up that uh, he's making, and with John C. Riley. Uh, is it with John C. Riley? The miniseries on HBO. No, the, there's okay. uh, it's another movie that he's making. It's based on the uh, tech startup that was a total scam that oh, yeah, people yeah. fed Lawrence. billions into. Yeah, now that's a role, that's a meaty role that Jennifer Lawrence can sink her teeth into. Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. That's who she's playing, yeah. Now, now I'm going to get into Adam McKay later, but um, I just want to name out a few highlight jo- Jonah role, Jonah, Jonah Hill lines. Um, <laughs> I just love his back and forth with Jennifer Lawrence, man. Where, like, uh, they're, they're in that room, and he just throws the, the water bottle and the snacks on the floor. And uh, he says, like, yeah, we're just we're, we're just bringing Randall. We're just bringing Dr. Mindy in. You guys stay in here like you, you don't have security clearance. And then he stops and he's like, Fuck, do you really want to come? She's like, yeah, he just closes the door on her. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> another like, one. Uh, what are we supposed to do if we had to go to the bathroom? I don't know. I'll get some like newspapers and Febreze in here for you. Right. And uh, I like how when they're first going back and forth in the White House, um, he says, "Listen, girl with the dragon tattoo. We don't we don't know what this is." And uh you know, when 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 Leonardo DiCaprio was like first freaking out when he's telling them the news, he's like he says, "I just I just think you should calm down because you're bringing me you're bringing me down and yeah, you know, you're we breathing think- weird and it's kind of freaking me out." Right, dude. He had he like he he's one of those people that he just has comedic timing, dude, with his presence. And just like with just his responses, like I can tell he improved a lot of his lines. Oh, yeah. He was. Yeah, he was absolutely great in this movie. There's nothing else to say about it. He was absolutely fantastic. Every time he popped up on screen, it was a riot. It was like in um, I like the whole uh, recurring gag with Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, where she's trying to figure out why that sergeant like charged them for the snacks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why the so this one has a lot of repeating kind of jokes and running gags throughout the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. That being one of them is at the very beginning, there's a lieutenant general or something that comes in with like uh, Cheez Its and like a bottle of water when they're mm-hmm. first waiting to meet the president at the beginning and goes, Yeah, it's the White House. So they charge an arm and a leg. It's $10, you know, per person here. <laughs> And just gives him like this little thing of Cheez Its and a water bottle. And then later, Jennifer Lawrence's character goes into like the break room and she's like, the snacks. And somebody else is in there and is like, yeah, they're free. Go ahead and take some. You know, it's the White House. What do you expect? And throughout the rest of the movie, she just constantly brings up, you know, don't, don't, you know, trust that guy. He's going to charge you $10 for free snacks. <laughs> I love, a, I love the scene with her and Teddy, uh, played by Rob Morgan. Where she was like, and to this day, I still don't know why he charged us. He says, <laughs> yeah, you know, one day I ran into Sting, and he was with, he was standing right in front of me, and he farted. And he acted like it didn't happen and just smiled it off. And I still found him charming. 
Just let that off. Like, well, this movie has great one-liners, right? But even like the Jennifer Lawrence bit, like right before they, she's like going through. He's been a you know lieutenant for like ten plus years. He has at least a six-figure salary, uh, right. wife and kids. You know, he has a great life. He has like the job of, and still he charged us for the free snacks. Why did he do that? <laughs> Yeah, man, it's cause, cause that's funny. Like that's the film laughing at itself. Like, like why would this character do that? Yeah, like he, there's literally no reason why he would do that. Yeah, it, it's every character being like at the stupidest that they can, and it just I I liked it. I enjoyed this movie a lot, and I, I thought it worked well for what it was trying to do. Yeah, it's a little preachy at times, but that's kind of Adam McKay's thing. You know, he he always is a little preachy toward what he's trying to say in his movies. No, no, I I got one more thing to say about McKay before we move on. Um, well, before we get to that, the finale. Um, I really found I really found the ending kind of touching, with Leo and all of them at the family table eating dinner. Oh yeah. Like, that was I great. Like, yeah, I felt, I felt like that was really touching. I don't think Timothy Chalmot, like I told you, I like him in certain stuff. He was great in Dune. In this, he was kind of like, you know, he was Timothy Chalmot in this pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really touching in the car where he says like, yo, I've I've hung out with you for for a pretty good short time here. And I, you know, I, I, I want to know, would you, would you marry me? I know there's a comic coming to Earth. And like, I felt like that was a pretty touching scene in the car. You know, oh, yeah. like it it was funny but cute. Um and I like when they're all at the dinner table talking and I like how they're trying to keep normal as the world is pretty much uh going to shreds around them and the, the destruction is getting closer and closer to them. And uh they're talking about coffee and stuff like that, like like store coffee and making your own coffee or something like that. Um and uh, you know, they just they all just kind of die in the Kind of they're just having way. a family moment, you know, right? Like they're aware what's going to happen, what's coming and stuff. Uh, it's even the scene like a little bit before that when they're grocery shopping, they're like, uh, we should get those like mini potatoes. What are they called? The little, the small ones. You know what I'm talking about, you know, yeah. and oh, you see this, this is like the, uh, you know, fresh caught salmon versus the, you know, caged and you can tell the color difference between like that just looks fake to me, you know? And it's right. just those small things as it going back and forth between like everything happening at uh, Bash, which is the uh, basically the Facebook, Apple conglomerate, whatever you want to call it, that is controlling everything. Where right. everything's going wrong at all the possible times. And it, I love how they kept bringing out the percentages of, you know, look, we're, we're still at 80%. The, this is an 80% success still. It's fine. It's We're not running into danger. It's still hey. a 75% success rate. Don't worry. We're still fine. We can lose up to, you know, four of these and still be fine. How many he more said, beyond that, though? <laughs> he, said, he says, he says, you know, as long as we got 24, we're good. And then uh, Meryl Streep says, if we go beyond that, uh how many are left? <laughs> and then that's what it dawns on her face, like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> and um you know, um I love how he predicts deaths. He wasn't right about Leo though. Leo wasn't alone. He was with his family. It, when it he was, was predict- 
the whole like percentage kind of thing and everything yeah, like yeah, that yeah. where it's a 97 point you know seven five repeating percent chance of uh you know guessing correctly and you died alone that scene was sad, though. That's that's the scene that sold me on his performance, though, because he was so cruel to him. Oh yeah. But it seemed like that's something what a that's something a tech sociopath would say to somebody. Oh, you especially because he was just called a businessman instead of a right. uh, innovator or something like that. You know, uh, that that really would rile them up. If you tried to call like Steve Jobs a businessman, he probably would have stormed out of an interview. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so it, it got that kind of persona correct. Um, I also love that, I guess it's like a mid credit scene where it shows like the ship and them like landing on uh, a random planet that is very similar right. to Earth like 2,000 years later. And they show it kind of starting to traject and you're seeing the space pods failing, some of them like crashing and stuff like in the distance. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of going, oh, yeah, we had an 87% success rate. And, you know, oh, yeah, my ship only had 47 people dead. That's pretty good. I think we're – it's like, oh, this is – this almost feels like that was written after COVID. You know, it's it almost right. feels like that one was written specifically for COVID. And I love that everybody on there was like the owner of big oil conglomerate, the uh, right. runner of the – you know <laughs> – it was all like billionaires on that. Nobody else. Right, right. And she forgot. And um right, right. And then uh that uh I love that bit about um how that um what's that what's that animal called? Uh the Bronter the uh eats a uh, Meryl Streep and oh, somebody yeah. says, What is that thing? I think it's a Bronteric because he told her earlier, like, you get eaten alive by a Bronteric. We don't know what it is. But I think that's what happens to you. Yeah, that's what our uh, algorithm calculated happens to you. <laughs> right. Um, I want to say this about Adam McKay, dude, before we give our rating. I, I feel like I need him to have a – you just broke up with your partner. You broke up with Will Ferrell, and it's time for you to get a revenge body. It's time for you to get a rebound. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you, you got the big short, which is great. Vice is, is I – and this movie, to me, to me, is I. Great casting, great cast, but it's I. I, I need him to come back with another big short, man. Because I feel like he's great at making, he's great at dramas that lean on comedy. Uh, he, he's great at over-the-top comedy, too. We've seen that with Anchorman, Step Brothers. But that was the real feral Adam McKay. Mm-hmm. I, I like to see solo Adam McKay lean more into what he does well. I think we could get a new like big short with this one that's coming up about the scam technology company because it was okay. also a scam. It was the same as like the big short kind of, you know, uh, housing crisis bubble. This, you know, obviously it didn't affect as many people, but in terms of like story beats, it's pretty similar. And I think he could pull that off again if he follows it correctly. Yeah, because right now I think he's one for two. Talented director talented writer but you know i need i need to get that revenge body together you know <laughs> show show will ferrell that you can do well without him like like i i believe in you adam i mean is um, will ferrell doing a good job showing he's good without adam mckay hey good point <laughs> I, i'm gonna be honest man some of the will ferrell stuff coming out lately i'm like I, I don't think adam would have made something like that yeah <laughs> like, pretty much um, come on man get hard with kevin hart come on man Oh. Um, I, I get us a two point five, dude. Really, that low? 
Yeah, it was it's overlong, dude. It need it needed to be shortened by like forty minutes, oh. in my opinion. It, this it's is all... a four out of five to me. I, I really like this wow. one. I had a lot of fun with this one. Wow, I can't wait to hear what you say about Matrix. But uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, man. This was this was all show not a lot of go to me. Uh, I'm probably gonna watch it again because there's great chemistry between the cast. It's just the story is just very heavy handed than usual. Um, I, I I I can't do it, man. A great cast doesn't give you a pass to me. Uh, 2.5 for me. Okay, I I think I pretty much put out why I give this a four already. You know, it's it, I I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> Without rehashing everything I've said previously, I really enjoyed this movie. I got you. I got you. All right, folks. All right, we we spent some time on that, but we it's time to switch gears. Um. Now, we have been waiting for this for a while, man. Uh, this has been a while. How, 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 long of a, how long of a beat? So, like, Matrix Revolutions came out in 2003. So, this is about... It's been almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. So, 18 years. Um, and we got uh, Lena Wachowski coming back solo this time without, um, without her sibling, her sister, uh, for the Matrix Resurrections. So this is the fourth installment in the Matrix film series. Fifth, if you count the Animatrix, I love that movie. Um, and I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you take it over. So this one uh, follows the continuation of Neo after I think it was the third movie where they just went right into the robot city at the end. Or was that in uh, Animatrix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they went. They went right into the robot city in Revolutions. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, following that, apparently uh, Trinity and Neo have been trapped there and being put into a new Matrix where Neo is a successful game designer who created the Matrix video game trilogy. Mm-hmm. And Trinity is just a... Uh, she's just like a bike shop worker or something, right? She, 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 uh, she manufactures bikes. She's a mother of two. Yeah, um, she's she's a married woman, a married mother or two, and she uh she manufactures uh motorcycles. Yeah, so basically, it has the same kind of story beats as the first one, where uh, Neo has to realize he's the chosen one. He's stuck in the Matrix, and he has to be taken out. And then she has a she has a different name too. Her name is Tiffany, not Trinity. Tiffany, that's it. Um, I remembered it was something else, but I couldn't remember what it was. It was so close to Trinity. I was like, "Ah, it's, it's just Trinity. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. but Neo eventually gets out again. Uh, that's where the movie actually starts because before that is basically the script writers writing a bunch of jokes about how they shouldn't be making a fourth matrix movie. So much of this film, is, so much of this film is meta in a good way, and so much is meta in such a cringy, bad way. Yeah, it's um, like they were trying to be meta, but they didn't realize that how to do it properly at all. It's like I, I'm, I'm gonna go in on this movie, dude. It's, it's like someone read a textbook. Okay, so this is what meta means. Let me see if I can inject this in dialogue. Oh, yeah. that that works. Let, let me see if I can do that with some more dialogue. I can make the whole exposition like this. Yeah. Wow. What if we beat everybody to saying that this is a bad movie by saying ourselves that it's going to be a bad movie <laughs> before it even starts? We're going to have a boardroom meeting. 
Matt, mirror in the meeting, we have our producers about how this is not a good idea. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, guys, how should we start this uh, Matrix 4 meeting? Well, I did record the meeting notes from the executives that wanted to make a Matrix 4. Why not just make that the beginning of the Matrix 4? <laughs> oh, man, there is there is a lot of exposition, boy. It's um, stupid exposition, too, because it feels like this is trying to set up something beyond, but at the same time, it ends on this weird little cliff note of nothing really matters kind of thing. Like, the whole movie was pointless. Um, and well, before we get to that, we'll, we'll get there. Um, we'll get there. Uh, uh, but uh, after Neo gets out of the Matrix again... And kind of starts rediscovering things. Uh, a lot of things have changed. It's been like 60 years since the last movie when they went to the robot city. And from right. there, there's now a new city called IO. I love the pun on that one uh, with keeping with computer terms. Uh, that's one of the things that actually made me smile in this movie. And then I think it stopped <laughs> after that. And it, it just. Oh, you, you didn't smile when you saw uh, ancient Niobe? No, not at all. I just went, why? Why is this? Who, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I can honestly say, I think I yelled more at my TV screen <laughs> than I smiled in this movie by just going, what are you doing? Why are you? Why is this movie? Just why is this movie? <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. You're you. Listen, you're better than me. Uh, I went to the theaters to see this. <laughs> I went to the theaters to see this. I knew it was on HBO Max, but I told myself, you know what, man? It's The Matrix. I watched the first three films. I w- dude, I watched Animatrix. And I said, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm geeked for this. I'm ready. And I went into that movie, and I, uh, I walked out and said, you know what? I got to take the L on this one. Uh, <laughs> this could have been an HBO Max. This is a fire stick movie. This is what you call. A fire this isn't stick even a movie. fire stick movie. This is the airplane doesn't have anything else on the you know little screen in front of you movie, and you still turn it off about th- you know, a quarter of the way through. I think when I was watching this movie, I kept fooling myself. Like I I, I did to myself what people did when they saw the Phantom Menace. It had been so many years since a Star Wars movie came out, and they kept tricking themselves. Like, I, I don't really know what I saw, but I'm gonna see it again the next day. Maybe <laughs> I missed something, but I, 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 I maybe I missed something. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Were, were you at the end of the movie, just doing your confused clapping of, yeah, that that was a movie. I think that was a was that a fever dream? Did I think this? Where, where am I? <laughs> You talking about what I did at the end of Last Airbender? Yeah, I started clapping. I was clapping too. Like, yeah, I guess that was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crowd I, I, thinking work here. As I'm driving home, I slowly realized I don't know, man. Did, did I don't know? But we'll get there. We got time. Go ahead. Okay, so we need to talk about the fact that uh, it, they now have robots working for them. And I didn't mind that. Uh, it goes against the entire thing of the Matrix, though, where it was like the robots are all evil and they're a part of a hive mind. All of a sudden, now some robots aren't a part of that hive mind or the hive mind is like bipolar or something and it has a good robot and a bad robot. Like, what the, the what are thing, you doing? The only thing that saves that plot point, and this is canon, 
is there's a segment in an animatrix about this team of people from Zion that that's working on an experiment to, to try to humanize the Sentinels. And, and in the end, like like there's a tragic battle that happens, but in the end, it works. So okay. that's the only segment that's canon that that made sense for that plot point. If no one saw that in the animatrix, I could imagine how you'll be like, no, that makes no sense. That's like making Darth Vader an ally. That makes no sense. Yeah, but. it didn't. So it's been such a long time since I've seen any of the, because I didn't do a rewatch for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally yeah. I'll try and do a rewatch and everything, but for this one I was just kind of met about it. So I just kind of went, yeah, it's a Matrix movie. It doesn't matter if I watch the previous ones. It's going to be good or bad based on, you know, watching the previous Matrix movies might actually put a bad taste in my mouth as they go down a slope. And I'd just be going into this one going, it can't be higher than this. You know, it has to have this starting point. Let me and, tell you something. Okay, go go ahead. No, go, you, you go ahead. <laughs> um, let me tell you something, man. I... Here's the thing that infuriated me about Neo in this movie. I didn't mind that he didn't want to fight. Totally makes sense. The the peace treaty between machines and, and humans that they, that Neo made with them at the end of the last one uh, faltered. Like I can, I can imagine why he's like, man, there's no point in me fighting anymore. Like like what what's the point if if we're just gonna go back to what we were? Um, him just dodging bullets and just running. I had no problem with that. The problem I had was Keanu's acting. Like, like, listen, I know this man can act. I've seen Speed. I've seen John Wick. He sells me on John Wick. I believe I've seen John fan. Wick 1, 2, and 3. It, 3 he, is still recent. That came out in 2019. He sells me that he knows how to play a badass. He's, well, he sells me that he has versatility. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, in the original Matrix films, I don't know if it was because he was younger but I, you know, I bought his Neo. I felt like he was a cool, slick dude that can fly. In this movie, dude, Keanu is phoning it in like a mofo, dude. He is phoning it in, like, and I was like, there can't, that can't be Neo. Like, I don't know if Keanu is just not inspired while he's making this movie, but I almost felt like he'd be like, dude, Trinity, whoa. I'm like, no, man. <laughs> you expected him to go back to like doing Bill and Ted. <laughs> It felt, listen, this felt like he, he's Bill, right? Uh, yes. Wait, maybe it's a fifty-fifty shot. Just say go with All it. Right. This, this felt like this felt like Bill from Bill and Ted playing Neo, like like Trinity. Whoa, like I'm having dreams. Am I crazy? We don't use that word here. Like I'm yeah. like, no, no, Keanu. Like like I don't know if you're phoning this in, but no. I, I'm I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna come off controversial. Neil Patrick Harris was cool. He was he was straight. Oh, but, I love um, Neil Patrick Harris in this. I feel like the only only one that was really given a committed performance was Carrie Ann Moss, dude. I I I gotta say that I feel like she was the only one that was committed. Uh, who did she play? Um, you know, I think I think she played um. Tilly? No, 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 no. Her name, her name's uh, Tiffany, and and she can fly, which was which was new. Um, I didn't really expect that from that character, but she uh, she's she's Superwoman. Uh, but anyway, she gave she she probably gave the most committed performance to me. It's like she knew the assignment in this movie. Everybody mm-hmm. else was just I I, I gotta. You, 
I, I got to go in for a second. So my man, Yaha Abdul-Manteen, to he he's a good actor. You know, you just need to watch Watchmen, uh, even the new Candyman, Aquaman. I know he's a good actor. I he don't understand not, why he took over for Lawrence Fishburne, though. He is not Fishburne, dude. He's not. He did he, not sell Morpheus at all. Like, it, so that is, you know, I don't want to cut you off here, but th- this is one of the things that kind of irritates me of where they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to take everything canon into perspective. And in the last one, Morpheus died in the video game. The only reason I know this is because everybody yeah. said it online. Yeah, I, I think I was one of the people who told you that, too. Yeah, possibly, uh, yeah. And yeah, I had so if they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Morpheus is dead, uh, but we're going to bring him back as a different character. Why? Why not just still bring back Lawrence Fishburne? What would have changed of them bringing back Fishburne by going, hey, Morpheus is back versus what they did, which is bringing a new purpose in and going Morpheus is back? If Neo, if this guy is a, is a combination of what Neo thought of Morpheus with the um, with the with the Agent Smith, like, I guess, like 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 um, posture or whatever. Why wouldn't that be Fishburne? Like, it why should have been Fishburne. Of, why wouldn't he think of Morpheus and Morpheus likeness? That makes no sense. Yeah. Like, and, and don't get me started on Jonathan Grove, um, because I again I think he's a solid actor. I've seen work where, that he does well. I hear he's great in Mindhunter too, uh, but it's like he would say lines, and I'm like, can't you just like act like you're Hugo Weaving and mm-hmm. say the line? Like, cause I know there were lines he said that he just, I said, I know if Hugo Weaving said that line, he would kill it. Like as yeah. Agent Smith, he would kill any of those lines that this guy has just said. But he, like the thing that worked with the guy in Matrix Revolutions that was Agent Smith in human form is that he said things in a Hugo Weaving type of way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's how he sold the human Agent Smith. This guy didn't even sell me as Agent Smith at all. No, he was just some guy that was being called Agent Smith. And what the hell was with him being like a good guy at a point in the movie? Like, what are you doing? No, he's a program literally designed to stop anything. And you just with the why? (laughs) Well, well, to be fair, I was I was I was with it in the beginning where he said, you know what, man? You set me free, so I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna offer you a moment at peace, and offer you a peace treaty, uh, a, a, a peace treaty. You help me destroy the architect, and uh, we go our separate ways. This other mission you're trying to do doesn't fall in line with what I'm trying to do. And then that's when they turn back into enemies again. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then when he when he saves Trinity from getting shot, uh, when she finally comes back to life, um, and um, he takes he. He kind of takes down an architect for a minute. He puts on the glasses. He just goes away. I'm like, where yeah. the hell did he go? Like, like this is Agent Smith. Like, I would at least want to see a scene where Agent Smith takes revenge on the architect and kills him or something. But he just he just disappears. Yeah. It's uh, there's it's just they they forgot the characters in this movie and they'd remembered the names. It's it's like they went down the Wikipedia page and they printed it off and it got like ran out of ink when it got to the right side of the page. So all they had was the names of characters and they were like, I don't know, we can work with this. This this is fine. Yeah, man. Um, I gotta say, dude, uh, the the final battle sequence, like I I didn't mind that that not one crew member died. 
I kind of didn't mind that because when you when you deal with the theme of Niobe not wanting to let Neo go because she doesn't want to see any more bloodshed, I felt like, okay, I understand that part. Like, I understand not letting anyone die this time again. It's mm-hmm. kind of a redemption kind of thing. Because you, if you look at the Matrix films, a lot of people die. Oh, yeah. Well, even with this new cast, I didn't care about them at all. You know, outside of Bug, uh, I think that's what her nickname was, right? The girl with the blue hair? Yeah. And outside of her, none of the characters that were even there and in danger had any kind of character to them outside of we're fighters of the rebellion. I liked homegirl. Um, <laughs> I'm going to refer to her as the Jonas wife. I like I like Priyanka Jonas as like that callback to that character from the third film. I felt like, oh, that was, that's like that's like a nice cute callback. Um, yeah, but she wasn't know. in the Matrix, though. Like in the actual yeah, like digital Matrix I'm talking about. She was in it. Oh, did she uh, actually jump in? Well, she didn't jump in, but she was a, she was like she was like a watchdog over Neo. Every time he go to the coffee shop, she was in there. So she was in it. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know why she comes to life as a bird in the real world, though. That made no sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things in this film don't make sense. But I I I like the way the final sequences is, is shot. Like I like I like the new tools that they have. Like I like how the architect can can do that slow time thing oh when they were um, in the bike shop the first time he tried to like talked with uh tiffany uh that yeah. that was cool i really like that how he was doing that like fast motion thing and they were doing like the kind of i guess like the phased in and out of reality kind of look with him where he'd mm-hmm. get a little blurry convert you know with everything else around him i, I like think, that that was gonna yeah, I, I think you sold me, man. I like him and Carrie Ann Moss in this film. I think they're both the ones that are kind of like on point with their characters. Um, but uh, yeah, the final sequence where everyone is kind of like being like hacked by the architect and people are like falling out of windows. I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. um, when they're driving around and like crashing on cars. There were and stuff. interesting concepts. Yeah. Even those interesting concepts, very few of them were actually used properly. Let me tell you something, man. Here's the point where I was like, I, I just kind of like just sat there and kind of like shook my head. Like, I know why you're doing this. I, I know how this adds to the theme of the of the love plot of the movie. But but no, no. Out of nowhere, this character called Trinity, um, she jumps off this building with Neo. And um, at some point. They fall. You think they're about to fall because Neo just can't fly anymore. He doesn't have his mojo. Uh, at some point, Neo hones off to this character called Trinity. And guess what? This character, Trinity, can fly. I don't know how she's flying, but all of a sudden, she has the ca- ca- capability to fly. Isn't that amazing? It's crazy what movies can do these days. And I saw that and I was like, I, I know what you're trying to do, but nah, man. That doesn't cut it. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold on that. Trinity can't fly. If she could fly, she wouldn't die twice in the past two damn films. Right. She can't fly. Like, come on. I, I like how this movie almost seems like they uh, just had interns coming in and out of the room while they were writing it and went, hey, why don't you just have it so she flies for once? And they were like, oh, write that down. Write that down. That's good. That's good. Oh, man. That was this. Matrix 4 
is, I believe, the perfect example of what would happen if Reddit made a movie. (laughs) I don't think there is anything that exemplifies everything wrong with that concept better than this because they had the cringy meta jokes that they'd be like oh you got to make a reference to how you shouldn't be making a fourth movie they have recasted people because they just don't want to have the original cast all in there uh they would change how characters are they would change how people are acting they would add in a whole new villain that you know makes no sense they would ruin the old villain somehow this movie is bad i don't like this movie let me tell you something man that 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 scene where um yaha abdul manting's character first shows up in the bathroom and um neo walks up to him he says at last and i was like what and then he he kind of like kind of like breaks character like ah, I don't think I sold it, but uh, you remember when Morpheus first said that to you when you guys first met? I'm like this can't be happening, this this can't be a scene. This has to be a gag reel in this film. This can't be an actual scene left in the editing bay. <laughs> like no, there's too many scenes like that where it feels like somebody was breaking character and going, oh man, I messed up that line, and then that's the cut that made the movie. <laughs> Dude, there are some callbacks to the original films that work. Like they work very well. Like um, Keanu, when he when he beats up somebody, he says, "I still know kung fu." Like that worked. I mm-hmm. feel like ah, oh, that's kind of funny. Like you know, um, but I felt like some scenes I was like, in the way they dressed up the new Morpheus, I'm like, Morpheus would never dress like that. Yeah, like no. they got this guy looking like a pimp, dude. Like <laughs> how you got a red jacket? On a green shirt with bright red pants. Morpheus never dressed like that. Never. It's a Christmas movie, man. They had to Christmas it up. It's like Home Alone. You got to add a little bit of Christmas in so people can watch it during Christmas and go, no, no, this is a good movie because it's a Christmas movie. Oh, give me a break. Um, I didn't mind. Like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we get to the final scene, dude, um, we got to talk about the return of the. Uh, Manglavorian, the the French character from the past two films. The Mang, oh the crazy dude, the homeless dude. Yeah, yeah that was like ranting the whole time they were fighting. I, listen, I loved him in the original films, and it makes sense why he's kind of like a homeless person in this movie. But I'm like, I I couldn't pay attention to his dialogue because there was like some weak fighting that was going on in front of it. Like and a lot of a lot of what he was ranting about was like again something that was just so on the nose and meta, mm-hmm. talking about sequels and reboots and remakes and I'm like, did they really write this movie? Like, come on! They let an algorithm write the script of this movie based on Reddit comments and the Matrix scripts prior to it. Uh, they also mm-hmm. let the uh, algorithm pick the casting for this movie. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, just so much was bad and off timing. Like when my man finally realizes he's Agent Smith and uh, he should he should go Mr. Anderson. And instead he goes, Mr. Anderson. I'm like, that's not how Smith would say that. Like, what? Yeah, it's well, even to go back on a previous point you kind of touched on a little bit even the action like the fighting sequences in this are so bad they're just slow and it doesn't even look cool in like the bullet time sequences 
it just looks slow and boring and just you know it uh, it, it, it ruins I, I, the fun of the fight scenes I like the falling people on the cars and stuff like that I like the um I like the train sequence I like the the, the train fighting sequence well I wasn't that was okay to me um listen man it says something when the matrix revolutions which prior to this film was arguably the worst Matrix movie. Still, it's a good epilogue on its own. It says something when a movie like this makes you appreciate the Matrix revolutions. Because, <laughs> uh, come on, man. I mean, this was... Like, there's a reason the other Wachowski didn't come back. Like, I, 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 come on. The bad thing is, I want to go, no, nothing makes the Matrix Revolution seem like a good movie, but I can't argue with you on this, because this does make the Matrix Revolutions look like a good movie. Let me tell you something, man. If you can picture it, imagine, uh, uh, imagine a Dragon Ball Evolution sequel made by the same team, same actors, and it's worse than the first. And it makes me go, man, do you remember Evolutions? That was a good movie. Why didn't was, they just leave it there? <laughs> that was a stable bad movie. This movie's just bad, bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Yeah. Ugh. No, this is a hopeful bad movie. You wanted this movie to be good. I really you know, did, man. That, really that's did. where this one hits is because you watch the trailer. Well, I didn't watch the trailers for this one. So I, I went into this one completely blind and was just like, I have no idea what's going on. Is this oh, at you. all what this movie was supposed to be? <laughs> oh, bless you. I don't know how you avoided it. There were TV spots all over YouTube when they play ads and stuff. Oh, I have ad blocker on, so I don't get any of those. On your phone? Uh, I don't watch YouTube on my phone. Oh, that's the. Oh, I watch it on my phone. Oh, but yeah, the only time I watch YouTube on my phone is when I'm pulling up like a tutorial for something real quick. And even at that point, I'll usually throw my phone off to the side for a minute while it's doing that. And eventually, I'll pop in and like zoom through the video to find what I want out of the 20 minutes to five seconds where the person goes, "Oh yeah, this is where the option is," and I go, "Perfect, close the video." You know, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, man, this film. Uh, I want to talk about that final scene. This is the only scene where it felt like Keanu Reeves was not phoning it in. The only scene where, uh, you know, Trinity comes back. She beats up the uh, architect. For, oh, uh, yeah. Like She kills him like three times and like snaps him back awake, which I don't know how she has that power. That's really strange. Um, but um, I like how her and Keanu kind of finish each other's sentences about him needing to be taught a lesson because he makes them forget how it is to be free. Like, I like that little fun tete-a-tete they have. I'm like, that's the one scene where it felt like Keanu wasn't phoning it in. The rest of the movie, I, it just does not feel like he's there. You're, you're talking about the scene that happens right before they fly off together? Yeah. You know, both of them flying together. That was cute. Into the that sunset. A, yeah, that was a cute little final scene. I mean, I guess it was cute for me because I was with my wife, but... I think if I was watching that alone, I'd be like, "Ugh, come on!" <laughs> like, in, 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 you know, they're playing the same. There's a new band playing the the Rage Against the Machine song that ended the first film. Yeah. So I, I get what they're doing, but it was just like, "Yeah, this didn't need to exist. Um, this didn't need to exist." Uh, the, the, you know, when people mention Avatar, and they mention the Last Airbender, and people go. There was a there was an Avatar live action movie that that exists that happened. 
Um, I think we might need to make the same joke to Matrix Four, man. <laughs> I really didn't want this to be a bashing session. I I want I made sure I noted what was good with the movie, but ah. Uh, Man, I really wanted to like this movie, dude. <laughs> I, I just want to see that notepad because I believe it only says Neil Patrick Harris, bodies flying out of windows. And Carrie Ann Moss. And Carrie Ann Moss, <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I... I <laughs> rule of threes, fun. rule of threes. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, I was we was driving home and my wife was like, I did not like that movie. And I liked The Matrix. I did not like that. I said, you know what? I appreciate it. I appreciate the risk it took. Like, 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 and I still do. I appreciate the risk this film took by going meta. It just doesn't go meta in the right way. Mm-hmm. She says, Anthony, be real. You didn't like that movie. I think you're in shock. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not in shock. I say, she says, I think you're in shock, uh, baby. So later on that night, I started thinking more about it. Like, yeah, Keanu's acting was a little one note. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that Trinity flies. That just does not make sense. Why was Morpheus like that? Agent Smith was not Agent Smith. Yeah, this was a bad movie. <laughs> like, like, this was a bad movie. It's like kind of like getting the call, you've been fired, and you just hang up and go, yeah, okay, cool. You know, I should really <laughs> use some of my PTO. I could use a vacation right now. You know, but I have to do that report next week, and that's really going to suck. And wait a minute. I don't have to do that report. Wait a minute. Oh, no, I've been fired. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't like think you it's were wrong. on delay. <laughs> I was I was a little on delay. Like I was even in a Discord chat server talking with people. Like I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like <laughs> there were some bad moments, but it was okay. They're like they're like, dude, I think you're in shock. Like like you like just just lay down somewhere. Wait wait for the wait for the uh little uh anxiety attack to pass. Tell your like, wife to get you a bottle of water. You're gonna right? need it. <laughs> Hey, hey, I was like Leo in the bathroom on Don't Look Up in my mind. I was like having an anxiety attack like this this movie can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. At that point, people just need to treat you like you're having a hangover. Just just sleep on the couch. Here's a blanket. Here's your <laughs> bucket. Here's a bottle of water on the <laughs> counter. We left the lights for the bathroom on so you can find it. I was going through the three, three stages of grief, man. I was like denial, <laughs> anger, and then accepting. Oh, <laughs> I was going through the three. Listen, man, because I'm not I'm not a diehard Matrix fan, but I know the world and I know the world well. And I was I just walked away from that. Like, that's that that wasn't my mate. I get what Star Wars fans go through now. And now you understand us. Now oh, you now, get us. <laughs> now I understand, because when you guys were bitching and complaining about Last Jedi and then Rise of Skywalker, I was kind of on the outside. Like, listen, y'all, I don't think it's that bad. And I didn't. But now with The Matrix, I understand. You understand what it's like to watch your childhood just get crushed and destroyed, and then people go, no, no, it it was good. And you're just like, no, the, the dog used to be alive. Now it's buried in the backyard, and somebody pissed on the grave. <laughs> man, look, man, I um, you want to see a great ex- exercise in nostalgia? Watch No Way Home. Yes. You want to see a bad one? You gotta watch this. Now, I don't think it's a horrible movie. I don't think this is a horrible movie. I would, I, I would say it's a horrible movie. I probably, I guess I'm still in shock. <laughs> I probably would, because I, I keep trying to defend it, man. Because it's Matrix, and, 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 and the and the Wachowski made this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like 
science fiction was never the same after the first Matrix. So I, you got to pay homage. Um, well, apparently but... now we know which of the Wachowskis was the good writer. <laughs> <laughs> so that at least clears up some stuff for us. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we know which, of the good, which one's the good writer. Oh, man, I... I don't know, man. I I can't call it horrible. Um, if I was watching all the matrices again, um, I don't know if I cut this one off the list. I'd have to begrudgingly watch it, like and just just to get it out the way. Uh, I don't know, man. I oh, it pains me to say this. I I'm saying this out of respect, man. Two out of five. Uh, oh, that's a high score. <laughs> Man, you really like this movie. <laughs> I'm thinking a point five out of five. Oh man, that's oh man, that's horrible. And that point five is because of Neil Patrick Harris. Oh wow, dude, I um, I was surprised by your four out of five for Don't Look Up. I feel like that's a two point five easy. Oh, you I, put Don't Look Up at a two point five, and you put this at a two though. <laughs> No, wait a minute. We now we just either you about thought it. really low of "Don't Look Up" and I didn't realize how low you thought of it, or you are still in so much shock from this movie <laughs> that you have forgotten what a good I'm movie still in is. Shock. But um, listen, man, we discussed that on another episode. The rating you give a movie is the rating you give that movie. <laughs> um. Uh, listen, I just want man. to put it in perspective, though, that you did give in this single podcast, don't look up a 2.5 and then Matrix for a 2. I, listen, man. Listen. <laughs> it's the Matrix, all right? <laughs> Brad is like, man, Anthony's losing credibility on this episode. I don't know if he's being a stan or what. Just, my, my thing is... <laughs> I just understand. I'm just waiting because I know it's going to happen in like a week or two. And you're going to text me and go, you know what? (laughs) I'm reconsidering the Matrix 4, King of 2 out of 5. This is closer to a 1 at best. Oh, man. And then the more time time goes on, I'm like, you know what, man? This is a point three. <laughs> I think you were right at point five. That that's that's where this movie belongs. Oh, did you watch the end credit scene? I did watch the end credit scene where they did uh, mocked in. Were like, hey, we should just make a Catrix. And honestly, that sounds more intriguing than this entire movie. I'll be honest, man. That 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 was kind of like the final nail in the coffin. Because you, you know I'm bad with end credit scenes. I didn't oh, yeah. think I didn't think this was gonna have one. Um, uh, so I went home after the whole flying up in the air into the sunset scene, <laughs> right? So I went home, I enjoyed the rest of my day, and I, I went to sleep, and I woke up, and I said, man, did that movie have an end credit scene? I went online, they said it had one. So I logged on to my HBO Max. So I, uh, mind you, I'm still in shock. Um, so I, I went into my HBO Max, and I looked at the end credit scene. You see these guys talking. It's like, you know what, dudes? Let's just make it the Catrix. Which pisses me off a little bit still because they missed the pun, the Meowtrix. 
<laughs> so even on them oh. trying to make a good joke, they still fucked it up. <laughs> Listen, man, let me tell you, when I had like a little a little twitch in my eye, like like <laughs> I, I, that that's it. That was the end credit scene. No callback to Smith. No no callback to uh, uh, <laughs> the Mangalavorian. I would have dealt with the Mangalavorian uh, um, ranting for a little bit more. I would have been okay with that. When I saw that was the end credit scene, I felt like Stan and Kyle when they watched Indiana Jones get raped. Oh in yeah, the, theater by, <laughs> the entire by episode Steven, by Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. My my eye twitched a little bit, and I was like. I, I don't want to watch something this horrific again. That was the worst end credit scene of all end credits. Listen, I used to give it to uh, Tom Hardy's end credit scene in No Way Home. This took the cake by miles. Oh, it yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah. This was the, by far the worst end credit scene I've ever seen. And if even if this was part of a gag reel, that would be the worst part of the gag reel. Like That wouldn't even be funny. I'm like, what was going through Lana, Lana Wachowski's head when she's in the editing bay and she says, you know what, out of all the bits in this little team meeting, that needs to be the end credit scene. This is where we got to end this super amazing movie. <laughs> this film needs to end right here. This will leave something profound and heartwarming with the audience. And they're all going to laugh because there's so much about the meme culture that goes on today. So should, should, should the guy call it the Meowtrix? No, that's too on the nose. Let them call <laughs> that's, it. The that's that's too good of a pun, <laughs> right? That's that's too good. That we don't want to get cocky now, guys. <laughs> Have them call it the Catrix. Oh man, I think I yeah, I'm I'm still in shock. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm still in shock. I still I wanted this to be good so bad, but you don't understand. I, I oh, went, so did I. I I totally wanted this to be good. I was even like avoiding trailers and stuff so I could go in this one completely blind and just go like, oh my God, it's a new Matrix. I can see this like for the first time, you know, a new Matrix. This is going to be awesome. I'm I'm excited about this. No, no, no. I'm going to skip the trailers. I don't want them to start like pushing my perspective one way or another on this one. I want to go in completely blind. And man, did I make a bad choice. <laughs> Man, I listen, I, I told you, you didn't make the trek to see this in theaters. You stayed at home. Like, like you're better than me. Like, when you first told me that, I thought you were BS and like, he's, he hasn't seen the trailer. Like, I I don't believe that. But um, yeah, man, I, I went in. Listen, I got, listen, man, I got some popcorn. I got some curly fries for my wife. <laughs> I, I rarely get concessions for her. Uh, you were like, this is a big moment. We're, we're about to see a new Matrix movie. <laughs> I was going to say, man, first Spider-Man. Now this, this is going to be great, man. <laughs> um, I, I got I got concessions and I was just lined up. The only thing I was missing was my duster jacket. Um, I don't own one, but that would have been great for, you know. The neo nostalgia. Literally went up to the ticket booth, all smiley and happy, and like I'm here to see a movie. And they're like Spider Man. There, you were like, no, Matrix Four. And they went, we're so sorry. <laughs> right, right. And uh, it's the funny thing. I was talking to homegirl at the concession stand. I said, hey, you seen Matrix Four yet? She says, no, I ain't seen it yet. I was like, hey, you know it's on HBO Max. She says, oh, I got HBO Max. And I could see part of her face going, yeah, but I still ain't gonna see it. that was almost like a bad omen you know what i'm saying like it it felt like a bad omen Uh, i usually i read into stuff like that but i was like ah whatever 
Um, yeah, man, I was uh, I was all geared up for this movie, dude, and I just I I, I was kind of in shock. I really I I really am still in shock. <laughs> Very clearly. <laughs> Um, yeah, it goes without saying. Uh, don't look up wins. Uh, like I, I feel like if Keanu Day happened, I don't know how I would. I don't know how we would react to this. Like if this compared with John Wick Four, I don't even know if we would do a double feature on this versus Matrix Four. Would we still do it? I think we still would have done John Wick Four versus Matrix Four. Um, but depending on which order we ended up seeing the movies in, I think would have changed our perspective on them as well. Because I'm not going to say that I think John Wick 4 is going to be the best movie ever, but the John Wick series has been actually going on an uptick since the first one, which is kind uh, of impressive. I know compared to this, it's going to look like a masterpiece. <laughs> it's it's going to make The Godfather 3 look like The Godfather 2. <laughs> <laughs> Godfather Three isn't a bad movie, but um, man, I, I tell you, man, uh, it's gonna feel like when I saw Age of Ultron and Fury Road in the same day. Um, after I saw Fury Road, I nearly forgot what Age of Ultron was about. I, I would actually love that effect with this movie. <laughs> that that, oh, that actually sounds like a better selling point for watching John Wick Four right after this. Yeah, this was bad, man. I can't do it in my heart to give this a point five. I I can't I I can't in my heart do that. I I can very easily. I did <laughs> because that's what it deserves. Not a point five. Like a point five is is bad. I do, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so you put this movie on the same level as Jujitsu? Yes. Come on, man. No, that's BS. Come on, man. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I can't say it's on the same level as jujitsu. Ah oh, man. All right, y'all. We kind of we kind of went overboard there, but uh, look, this has been another great episode of Double Feature Versus. Um, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, take care. <laughs>